Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Careers Med podcast with myself, Jordan, and my friend and co-host, Jacob. How are you doing, Jacob? I'm very well. I was ill this week, and now I'm better, and that's nice. Oh, that's good, because I was well this week, and now I'm ill, so that's worse. That's why we're such a good team. <laughs> yeah, we are. You're the yin to my yang, Jacob. <laughs> yeah, it's like a relay race. One of us is always sickly, one of us is always well, and we make a podcast. It's the original love story. <laughs> Which is mental, because you live in Cambridge and I live in Bristol, um, yeah. and yet you still make me sick to my stomach. <laughs> you're, how long are you planning to be ill for? Well, I was hoping um, maybe just this week and then I could give it back to you. Well, I mean, it's coming up to Christmas. I wouldn't mind being ill just before Christmas so I can have an extended holiday. Mm, I don't want to be ill over the Christmas holiday because that's a waste because that's time I already have off work. Yeah. God, isn't it? It's crazy when you get to be an adult and you start trying to plan your sickness (laughs) so it doesn't impact your your life that much, (laughs) Especially, Uh, especially this time of year. It's just, yeah. it's it, like my mum says, it's going round. It's going round at the moment. I mean, so. I didn't, I don't actually do that, just to be clear, in case my employer's listening. <laughs> I don't plan my sickness. I don't have. Oh, come on, Jacob. You pull sickies do. all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been, uh, I've been having some interesting thoughts recently. Go on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you want to hear about that. Well, I mean, there's only one really. I was kind of thinking that, um, in episode 52, I'll probably uh, bring up clocks for no reason at some point during the conversation. Okay. I think I'll hold you to that. Yeah. And I was thinking maybe I'd paint one of the walls in my house blue. But yeah, anyway, we should probably get on with yeah. the podcast. Well, yeah, TikTok. Um, let's, uh, let's introduce our guest. Our guest is um, a very, very good friend of mine. And I love him to death. He is Welsh, which I don't mind. And he also does music production. He's been a DJ for years and years and years. And his name is Rob Morgan. I think you're really going to enjoy this one. We had a lot of fun chats. And I think you'll enjoy the little twist at the end with the dream job section. Um, so shall we, uh, shall we get him on? I, I I guess we I guess we should get him on. I think we should get him on because he's a guest on this episode. So yeah. it'd be weird if we didn't get him on. Yeah, it'd be, be weird, weird if, if we... this whole episode was just an intro. <laughs> this nothing. intro just carried on forever. Forever. That'd be this mental. intro just carried on forever. <laughs> That'd be forever mental. and ever, Jordan. That'd be terrible. <laughs> no, we shouldn't do that. We can't. We need to bring him on at some point. Yeah, we can't <laughs> not bring him on. We can't sit here forever and never stop recording and this just, intro. And just keep doing this. That'd be crazy. I know that's what it feels like already to the listeners, but we can't just keep going forever. That'd okay. be mad. Okay. No, no, now we really will bring him on. We really no, we really will. Because we can't. We can't keep going on like this, Jacob. We can't keep going on forever. That's mad. That'd be crazy. I've got what, things for, to do. So have I. What, forever? Like, li- what, forever? We couldn't yeah. do that. No, we couldn't. How are you, Rob? Very well, thank you, Jordan. Very well. Thanks for uh, having me on, boys. It's good to have you here. 
Nice to meet you, Rob. Good to meet you, Jacob. We've already met, but nice to meet you again. It's a it's a reunited one. Yeah, it is mm. a reunion. Back once again. Yeah. <laughs> Back once and again I'm... with the Rob Morgan master. <laughs> you knew where I was going with that already. You know? My brain is already on music. The listeners just... won't be able to appreciate this, but Rob's got lovely blue lights and things all over his room, and he has a real nice setup. So. Thanks, yeah. Jacob. I even wore the T-shirt to match as well. You know, I thought I might go for a maybe a, a red backing light. You know, but uh, I thought I'd keep it. Mm. Thought I'd keep it. Uh, keep it teal. Keep it PG because the red is a little bit coarse. A bit suggestive, isn't it? It it's is a bit Mr. Grey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can I just well, make it clear, Rob, that I did enjoy keep it teal. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So, um, Rob, obviously. When we have people on this podcast, uh, mm-hmm. something that we've been asking people is, what was your, what, yeah, what was your first job you ever did? My first job? So my dad nagged me for the longest of times, right? And of course, floating about in life, I think I got to about 16. And that was something my dad had always said. He's like, right, Rob, when you're 16, mate, that's when you get into work straight away. And I was like, okay, yeah, I get it. Mm. I want a bit of money, you know? And there was an advert in a, in a place called Cumbran. And it was a little, uh, a little stick A4 advert, advertising for jobs at home bargains. It just opened, you know, and uh, my dad was like, why don't you go for this? And uh, begrudgingly, I accepted. And yeah, I worked there for uh, through my college, basically. So from 16 leaving school, got straight into some weekend work at home bargains and never looked back. Been a job man ever since, boys. <laughs> I thought you meant you were still there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've got a zero podcast, hour contract. If that so. were the case, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, guys. <laughs> Cheers for bringing me on. <laughs> so what was your exact uh, job at Home Bargains? And what do, what is Home Bargains for people who are not aware? It's actually, uh, I'm not sure who TJ Morris is, but it's a subsidiary of TJ Morris. I'm not sure if TJ Morris is like the overlord of all home bargains or... I've just pulled it up and uh, it says, TJ Morris is a British company that owns several businesses, including home bargains and Quality Save. Ah, The less famous one, Quality Save, I'd say. Yeah, I don't think any of us have heard of Quality Save. I don't think I've heard of Quality Save. So Rob, if Mm. if I pop down to home bargains next weekend, what will I, what will I find there? At Home Bargains, I mean, you've got a range of different things. I think, for me, the highlight really was their uh, their toothpaste section. Now, I, I'm not going to lie to you, boys. I never mm. really thought about toothpaste too much until I worked at Home Bargains. My dad was a dental hygienist. I knew how to scrub my pegs, you know. I'd come back with a different toothpaste every time. See, we had a little trick, and I don't know whether I should say this or not. But um, some of the managers would over-order on the toothpastes, you know, beauty products sometimes. And I got slipped a nice... Uh, a Colgate crystal uh, oh. into my bag at the end oh. of one of these shifts. Nice. And that's a toothpaste where you get like the nice crystals within it. And pfft, from there, I never look back. So, yeah, you've got your toothpaste. Pretty pricey, I'm products. guessing. Oh, we're talking about £3.49 at that time as well. You know, we're talking, what, 2011? That was like, yeah, that was like 500 quid back then. Exactly. You know, <laughs> we're, we're talking at least like 38 Freddos, I think. You know, and if you look at that, or, or as Jordan will tell you, 10 Pichus, I pfft, honestly, the resale on those could have been crazy. Mm, mm. M- might have missed out. Um, but no, you've got, uh, you know, probably like three or four aisles. You come in, you've got your beauty products initially. And on your right-hand side, you'll have your, like, your festive season. So for Halloween, you're going to have a load of little pumpkin pots. You know, you're going to have uh, Christmas stockings, you know, all that malarkey. And then you get to the middle aisle, and the middle aisle is honestly insane. It's an absolute cluster. You know how a lot of people talk about the Lidl's and the Aldi's middle aisles, right? You mm, know, being yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, quite up there for weird and wonderful items. At home bargains, you'd have a lawnmower 
next to lampshades, you know? You just, there's no consistency. <laughs> and, and, and like, we were never encouraged to be consistent. It was kind of as a member of staff there. You go in the back room, stuff needs to go on the shelves. Where are we going to put it? Middle aisle. We'll stick a little, uh, a little tag in there. Jobs are good and away you go. And then right at the end, it was very clever what they did, to be fair, because you kind of zigzag between the three aisles. And right at the end, that's where your booze deals were. And that is what everyone came for, to be honest with you. Jacob, everyone everyone goes to home bargains for the booze, mm. especially in Cumbran. You know, there's not a lot to do. You know, Friday night, Thursday night, Wednesday night, Monday night. Like a Craig <laughs> David song, boys, you know, but replace it with Alcapops. Are, um, they, are they UK-wide uh, home bargains? I believe they are, yeah. I'm pretty sure I've seen a couple here and there. Obviously, I've spent a bit of time what, over, n- over the pond. I think Jacob, they've got some you never, Jacob, you never been home bargains? Don't think so. This is one thing. I'm confused. What? They've got, um, yeah, they've got home bargains around the corner from me. And oh, um, oh, yeah, there's a, yeah, home bargains, like ev- everywhere I've lived, there's been home bargains. Really? I'm, I, so I will say I'm, I'm a savers guy as well. Can't beat savers, yeah. especially for beauty products. Yeah. Yeah. Unrivaled me. Jacob, I'm actually in savers today. Well, apparently there's yeah. one in, well, it, was, it doesn't look like there was one in, the places I've lived, so there doesn't don't appear to be any in Somerset. There doesn't appear to be one in Southampton. There's not one in Cambridge that I can see. Ah, so oh, no, there out. is. They're not that global then. I really thought they'd taken the UK by storm, to be honest. Oh, but... there's one outside Cambridge in in uh, where's that? Camborne. This is fascinating for listeners. You'll, sure. you'll have to go. Uh, you'll yeah, have to, have to, have to go, go out to Camborne, get the bus <laughs> out to Camborne, and have a look. Buy Definitely some booze. Buy some Alka Pops. That's the mm. way. That's the way. But yeah, it was a it was an interesting job. I think mainly the, the most fun I had in that job, to be honest with you, was when I got into the tills. So obviously I'd be stacking the shelves a little bit, dipping around here and there. But the tills are where it was at, you know. You only had three tills. You have the head till lady that literally does not go off onto shop floor. She has a special chair and everything. She's kind of conducting the entire till operation, you know. So you've got like three total of four tills, right? She's sitting at the head of the table right at the corner and you kind of spread out like by the tills each way and obviously we've got good eyes on the entire of the booze section all the alka pops we've got covered and of course you know you get quite a lot of the underages coming into home bargains and they might try and pick a lawnmower and some lampshades up and blend it in with the alka pops just to sort of you know <laughs> look a bit normal at least so my favorite part of that job probably was um having the uh, challenge 25 conversations very good some of the excuses you'd hear were brilliant, honestly. Such as? Uh, I think my favourite one was uh, two kids no older than about 12 coming in. And you could tell that they'd stolen their uh, maybe brother or father's like clothes and jackets. So they were wearing like... <laughs> the one kid had a leather jacket on. And like a peaky blinders style the, imbe- the bit from the in-betweeners. 100%. <laughs> like like that, that actually hits yeah. different for me. That, that, that actually hits different. That scene with Will actually hits different yeah. for me because I've had many experiences similar. To that. Obviously, it's quite an exaggerated experience, but that one time I will never forget the leather jacket, the peaky blinders hat. And I think the other kid had like a, a really baggy, oversized Inter Milan top and like a Nike baseball cap pulled down and some sunglasses. So they were really trying you know, they were really trying. And of course, um, sorry, boys, don't have to have any ID on you. I thought, you know, there's every chance here, you know, <laughs> they could be of age. And, you know, I mean, <laughs> stranger things in the world. But um, no, I think uh, the one we said, we've got the IDs. Oh, we've left them at the pub. We have. Oh, so, so we just come back from the pub. We're heading back to the house, you know. <laughs> Taking some drinks back for the wives. <laughs> Handfuls of WKD. 
<laughs> I don't think it was a lawnmower and a lampshade, literally, but I think they grabbed some other stuff, like wrapping paper and cards and stuff. I think the original excuse is probably going to be party-related, but then they probably realised that would arouse suspicion. So, yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> that I, will live with me forever. That was my favourite memory. I am a man who's just <laughs> moved into the local area. <laughs> I mean, honestly, about 12 years old, I, I, I think the sheer, the youth that they both radiated, you know. Obviously, they hadn't finished growth spurts yet at this point as well. So it's very unusual for two very small, about 4 foot 10, 4 foot 11, clean-shaven, mm-hmm. youthful chaps to come in you know with a random array of stuff and <laughs> head till woman would always kind of be scouring over having a look and she'd catch your eye and she's like give give this one a check you know <laughs> and I was like, i've got this one no worries linda this time i've learned so yeah that was my favorite part of what otherwise was a very boring job you know i have it on my linkedin described to summarize this as general shop assistant duties whilst in college which taught me the basic principles of working within the retail sector. It was here in which I'd learned and developed my customer assistance skills whilst handling stock checks and till counts as part of my day-to-day routines. <laughs> I, very, I have very not nice. updated my LinkedIn in a long time, succinct. but I'm liking this. Yeah, yeah. I've just pulled it up now and I'm like, did Sounds you, good. When you were on the tills, did you have those little headsets where you could talk to each other? Mm, not back were they then, not, no. Were they not around yet? They oh, were not around. We had to what, shout at each other over, over I'll tell you what, time. every time I go in Audi and they've got those little headsets on, I don't know, it's it's obviously just me being a little bit paranoid, but I'll be at the till like, and they're scanning my stuff. And then they'll sort of just like on the headsets, they'll just go, <laughs> yeah, I know. And just sort of look, <laughs> pa- like, look past me at each other. And I'm like, are you... You're not slagging me off, are you? <laughs> it's like an old Xbox 360 Call of Duty lobby there, really, yeah. mate. Yeah. <laughs> so what was uh, what was next for Rob? I was uh, a resident party DJ uh, at the Whitehead Social Club. So uh, Okay, I think we need a breakdown of what yeah. exactly that involves. <laughs> now, this is the funny chapter of my life, to be honest, Jacob. It was quite enjoyable. I think at this point I was, I think I started it when I was about 17. So obviously I was just on the cusp of drinking age. And I was basically doing parts of the, if it was like a wedding reception, a birthday party. A lot of people would rent out the social club for, you know, various gatherings and stuff. So essentially I'd get paid, I think it was 50 quid for four hours of DJing. Uh, and that would be usually on the weekends. And all I can say about that time is, I think I did about two years. That was absolutely wild. Some of the things I saw, uh, there are many stories I could tell you. I think the strangest one music-wise was the lady who, I think it was maybe a 30th or 40th birthday. She had her whole family there. You know, we're talking the old fella there, you know, dad, granddad, everyone was there. She only, she gave, sometimes they'd give me a playlist, right? And they'd say, here are some of the songs or some of the, the styles of music that we want at this party. And then obviously I could sort of cater for it. I had a big hard drive full of music. I had all the equipment provided for me. I had everything. So this woman only wanted me to play the music of Pink for four hours that I was booked there. <laughs> Pink songs for four hours. <laughs> Does she have four hours of music? Well, this is the problem, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I had about, surprising me on this database, because the fella who ran the Whitehead Social Club, he built quite the database. He basically, he owned the, he owned the joint and he didn't like doing the DJing, so he wanted to bring somebody in. And if I remember correctly, we had a family function there, funnily enough. So we'd already been there. That's how I got the job. We had a family function. He was kind of doing the DJing. At that point, I was dabbling with music, you know, anyway, and sort of DJing 
on a laptop using virtual DJ with a mouse and stuff. So I was just practicing that in my free time at that point anyway. Mm. And I think one of one of my family members, oh, Rob's, Rob's a DJ, Rob's a DJ. And they sort of went, right, we need him. 50 quid, will <laughs> you do it? Yeah, you'll do it. And I, I asked, will I do it? Absolutely, yeah, sure. Be completely <laughs> underprepared for that entire experience. But um, so he had a big hard drive of songs already. I could download songs on the fly as well. I'm not sure the legalities of it. So, you know, um, I think it was fine. I'm pretty sure it was fine. <laughs> However, with the Pink Lady, I soon ran out of music within about 25 minutes. There had about <laughs> five Pink songs on there. I'd gone through all of the Pink at this point. No Pink. So I think at this point, I don't know if any of you remember sort of like a chilled house, wave after wave was in the charts at this yeah, point. Yeah, if you, yeah. If you remember that one. So I tried to slip that in. I thought, right, okay. She's only said she wants pink. We've run out of pink now. Maybe I should have tried to spread some pink out, but I've done it now. All right. I've got the pink out of the way. Hopefully she's had a little pink marathon for 20 minutes. <laughs> we can kind of go on as normal and I can play the usual mix of classics, you know, maybe Agadu, bit of take mm. on me. I, I had the go-to classics that kind of worked at every party. She was having absolutely none of it. I, I must have been 18 at this point because she continued to bring me shots, shot after shot after shot, begging me to play more pink, saying, please, look, this is all I want. I'm the biggest pink fan. I need more pink. <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, of course, of course. No worries. Absolutely. I'll try my best. And I, I felt so bad for granddad, bless him, because me and him were eye to eye this entire night. The way the DJ booth was lined up, I was directly in line with the sit-downers, the tablers. Yeah. And the bar was adjacent to my left, so all of the madness was happening to the left of me. And where I was DJing to the right of us was everybody that was sat down. And that literally looked like I had an entire audience watching me. Usually there would be one or two people sat down facing each other. We had granddad eye to eye with me the entire time. And I literally felt so bad. I tried to squeeze one Frank Sinatra song in there. <laughs> Again, she was not having it. So, um, to cut a long story short, boys, I um, I ended up having to download some of the music I didn't know by her. Because I kind of was having this conversation. Look, I've played all the pink songs we sort of have. She said, oh, yeah, but, you know, so-and-so said that you can download more. The owners obviously said we can play anything you want, anything you want. That was kind of the big draw of booking that space out. We can get any music you want on the fly. So I ended up having to play 25 minutes of a live Pink performance that I've managed to find <laughs> off of YouTube. <laughs> Just to appease it. All in all, I think I managed out of the four hours to play about an hour and a half of Pink exclusively. Just purely because I was terrified. The more drunk she got, the more she was on the shoulder said please <laughs> this means so much to me this is my 30th 40th whatever it was she really just wanted to it's like she's addicted like she she's hooked on the pink like so, so you had an hour and a half of pink that means you had two and a half hours of this woman bothering you saying exactly pink, pink i need more pink i'm a pink <laughs> exactly lady that. exactly that <laughs> Luckily, I was positioned right behind the fire exit. So when I saw, I, I caught, sort of caught her right in the end, I'd have two songs kind of auto-queuing together, ready to go. And I would slip out of the back of the fire exit and just kind of like, <laughs> just just give it a minute until she got distracted and caught by something else, you know? And that, that, that got me through the last sort of hour, hour and a half. <laughs> so um, I, bet, I bet you before too long with AI coming on the way it is, you'll mm -hmm. be able to make it so that you play just any art, like a Frank Sinatra song, you play My Way, and in real time it will replace his voice with the voice of, say, Pink or an artist <laughs> of your choice. So that will be the futuristic solution to your problem, Rob, is that if someone wants Pink, you can just play any old playlist and yeah. replace all the vocals with Pink's right. voice. For sure. I would love to hear... Um, pink over like mild man to dustman or something like that just have, yeah. uh, vocals later <laughs> do you want to do you want to have a go at that jordan 
No. Do you wear crack, George? No, I do not. Although I am wearing a pink T-shirt. So no, true. it was actually me, Rob. I'm not going to lie. It was <laughs> That was me at the party. I'm a pink mega fan. I think this woman's going to be very happy with how AI progresses, though. I think she's probably already <laughs> paying for um, pink-related songs. Well, have you guys heard the... Um, me and my sister are obsessed with these when people mm-hmm. get uh, the SpongeBob characters to yes. sing popular tracks. It's amazing. No, so never heard that before. Billy G. Um, Mr. Krabs is my favorite. I just I, they actually they managed to get um you know how to save a life by the fray. Where did I go wrong? <laughs> oh, I yeah. love that one, Jacob. Yeah, they managed to get um a whole AI band of the SpongeBob characters. So it was like Squidward on drums, Patrick on guitar, SpongeBob was singing, and then it cut to Plankton on the chorus, <laughs> and it was incredible. Um, but that 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 stuff always makes me laugh. Well, they're already they're already there. Then I was saying this like yeah. this was yet to come, but it oh, sounds no, no, like no. They're, we they're, have the technology. Yeah, we do. We actually do. Yeah, it, it's scary, Jacob. I mean, <laughs> so if you're if you're listening. Um, late lady from the social club, you can make your own pink songs if you need your fix. Absolutely, I think her fiftieth birthday, she's gonna absolutely love. She'll probably have about eight to nine hours worth. So, um, <laughs> fingers crossed, granddad enjoys that one. You know, hopefully, he's there. So, you you moved on from doing pink for four hours. Um, <laughs> so yeah, what was next after that? Um, so at this point. I know so I haven't really talked about how I sort of went through education, but I kind of did media production in college for two years at 16 alongside some of these jobs as well. And then I ended up training to be a primary school teacher in university. As far as like I know I mentioned it earlier, I touched upon kind of just floating through a little bit. When it came to, you know, finishing school, my GCSEs and stuff, I'm like, right, you know, I love music. I'm enjoying all this side of things. I'm enjoying playing around and dabbling. I'm going to go do media production. And then I finished that after two years, got the qualifications for that. And then it was a case of everyone's going to uni. So I was still working at this time. I thought my mum's a primary school teacher. Great holidays, Monday to Friday. Let's sort of do that. So I was studying that. And alongside that job, I was working in uh, a Tesco superstore. Yeah. Stock controller was my official Mm. role. Can you, um, you've just reminded me of the Tesco job. Um, you told me when we were at a, a your job we'll get onto in a sec, um, when we were working together about your um how you became social media famous briefly when you were working at Tesco. That was very unexpected, yeah. I, I figured we may talk about this, Jordan, yeah. to be fair, but that was very bizarre. So essentially I, I went into a job, it was a customer service response job, Jacob, and to anyone else listening. We um we were just yeah, they are, it's not, at this point it's not just me yeah fingers <laughs> crossed <laughs> is anyone else out there? <laughs> Find us in a time capsule in thirty five years. <laughs> um, but no, I basically would just deal with um, customers across like Twitter, Facebook, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And one thing when we first joined there, it was not long after the, the horse meat scandal. I don't know if any of you recall the mm, horse no, meat I scandal. Do. Tesco were not in everyone's good books at that time, let me just say. So there was kind of an approach there and it was talked about a lot to kind of try to be a little more human, you know, seem like we're, you know, we're people over here, you know. You know, Tesco, honestly, I bloody loved that place. But um, yeah, we kind of had more freedom. We didn't have to be so rigid and robotic in our, um, in the way we'd message customers, especially on social media, you know. I think the good thing that Tesco saw at that point is social media is a different ball game from your traditional letter. 
you know, your email, even to a degree phone calls as well. And I think what Tesco realized was is a great like opportunity for us to have some fun like interactions with customers and just we were kind of told to sort of let loose. Tesco Mobile were different animals. They were savages, but we were kind of like <laughs> you can be fun. You can be casual, you know, you can like like mix it up with a customer, make some jokes with them if that's if that's kind of what you're getting from the message. And I found out I was pretty good at reading like tones of messages and a lot of people would hand over certain conversations and chats to myself. Some people would be very much more, oh, I can only sort of be quite formal and straightforward. I don't really know how to deal with this one. So I would get all the customers who were coming in and getting in touch, being a bit banterous and having a bit of a joke. And one customer who sticks out is Wes Metcalf. And to this day, I'm still good buddies with Wes Metcalf. Shout out to Wes Metcalf. <laughs> he's brilliant. He's um he's known as the amazing troll man on the internet now. And he's done quite well for himself, boys. But essentially, yeah, he he posted into us and he sent a photo of a worm that he'd found on his cucumber. So he'd sent a photo in saying, hey, Tasco, why does I get in touch and complain about this worm I found on my cucumber? But rather than just kind of messaging like angrily like, Tasco, I cannot believe this worm is on mm. my cucumber. He was being very, you know, funny, hilarious about it, to be honest. He kind of had said on how William the Worm, he'd named him William. He didn't seem to be responsive or moving. You know, he was very, very gutted for the for the loss of William. And he just wanted to let us know that, unfortunately, one of our worms had, had sort of been lost. You know, we, uh, we'd lost William. And it essentially, it spiralled into one of the most bizarre, hilarious, but fun experiences I've ever had in work. Essentially, I responded back. I think he. I think I responded back with a poem originally. I think it started. I, I sort of said, "I'm so sorry for your loss." Um, I think we need to come together in this moment and write a poem. So I wrote the poem. He responded back and forth, and essentially we ended up remixing the lyrics to various songs, including Oasis Wonderwall. Um, and the internet, for some reason, picked this up and loved it. This got covered in. Russian news, French news. It was the most read story on BBC News for a couple of hours. It, it, it was honestly bonkers how much the internet had picked up to this. So, um, yeah, William the Worm, that's all you have to Google. And uh, everything will be revealed there. It was... We'll put some links on our social media so <laughs> yeah. people can go and look for themselves. It was quite the journey. I, I, think I, remember, one fellow... I remember you telling me about that, mate. That was mental. <laughs> it was insane. I mean, there were fellows from abroad even sending covers of some of the songs that we'd, uh, we'd wrote in where they'd actually performed. Uh, Wonder Worm, <laughs> which was actually the name of, 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 of that we chose instead of Wonderwall. So, um, yeah, Wes was hilarious. We kind of got in touch after that blew up and went viral. And since then, Wes, Wes essentially was super clever. I think he was working as an electrician before, but he liked goofing around on the internet, right? And I think we kind of bonded over that, you know, silly, goofy boys and stuff. And he's he's gone on to be able to, like, actually make a job and a career out of that, which to me is just insanely impressive. He's got a book written where he uh, pretends to be customer service from various different companies. And uh, you may have seen some of his posts on the internet. They're all over the place. But he essentially has funny interactions with angry customers and responds in comical ways. So, uh, yeah, big shout out to Wes, the amazing troll man. He's out there. Yeah, so, Rob, if we if we move on to the point where... Me and you met on that fateful training day mm. at iSupply Energy. Um, so for context, iSupply Energy was a very small Bournemouth-based gas and electric supplier. Their main selling point was that they sold 100% renewable energy and they had a customer base of around 120,000 customers, I think. 
And they were really, really successful. So successful, actually, that they folded and we got made redundant. Um, <laughs> they but, had too much money. Yeah, they had too mm, much they money. They didn't know they where to keep good. it. They were too good. <laughs> well, what they what they did was they kept burning the money um, in one of the back rooms in the office and then they burned mm-hmm. the building. To generate down. electricity. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. Renewable, you know? Yeah, and that's why we got made redundant. They said, look, we've accidentally burnt the building down. You can't come back. <laughs> who is um, who is the I in the title? Like, who is supplying the energy? What I supply. We, we I are su- I. I supply the energy. Oh, so it's you, Jordan. Yeah. I, okay. They gave me a big hamster wheel and <laughs> For 12 hours, I've ran. Um, so and yeah, if so, anyone else talks about it, they have to say, he supplies. He supplies energy. He supplies energy. Like okay. a caveman. Yeah. <laughs> he supply energy. <laughs> um, so me and Rob met in the training for the job. Um, I think it was the lobby I remember actually meeting you first. Yes, uh, was that with Stu? That on was reception? with Stu on reception, and we sat there. And I, I obviously made notes about this before we came in because it really—I was really thinking about this. I think you were already sat down, second or third place before me. I came at the front desk, kind of I had a little chat with Stu. Oh, I'm here for my first date, you know, all this, that, and the other. And I think Jordan, you had a smart white shirt tucked in, tie at the point, trousers. Yeah, my mum and dad told me I had to dress really smart for that because yeah. it was an office job. So they were quite rightly to dress smart. Yeah. And I think I might have shown up in a questionably patterned Jack Jones sweater. Uh, <laughs> and maybe some dark, like dark jeans, I believe, with like some daps potentially. Being many miles away from my parents, I think I got away with that one a little bit there. And yeah. I, <laughs> that was me going from, I had a casual dress code at Tesco and that was my first job where it was like, right, back to it then. You got to get yourself uh, into office wear. Yeah, it was yeah. smart casual, I think they said, wasn't it, George? Yeah, so it was like you could wear polo shirts and things like that. So it wasn't that strict but um yeah so rob why were you why were you looking for a job so far away from home so i essentially i was living in cardiff at the time i'd got funny enough talking about redundancies uh we got made redundant at tesco i honestly don't think i would have left that job but essentially the lease for the building that we had was about to expire and tesco were building a new contact center in welling garden city so a little bit closer to you know where their head office was based so we all ended up, you know, taking redundancy there as well. Uh, they did offer you an alternative to go and, like, try to get people into jobs elsewhere in Tesco in you know, superstores, which some people did. For me personally, the social media team was moving up to Dundee, so they'd offered me to go up there. But at that point, I thought, not going to do Dundee, I think. So I picked up a little job before, just after Tesco, just a little temporary job, I think, in a contact center for Vodafone recoveries. And then I just sort of said, my friend was in uni at Bournemouth, and he sort of said to me, Life's a bit stale for you right now, Rob. You, you know, he obviously knew things weren't the best. It was a bit, you know, a bit boring. So why don't you come move to Bournemouth? You know, he was studying in uni there. So I thought, Bournemouth it is, you know, great, cracking. And um, I had a social media job lined up there. And I believe it was the Monday. I was supposed to start on the Monday. I'd moved up on the Sunday and I contacted the lady who was hiring me. And she said, oh, Rob, I'm so sorry. I thought somebody would have told you already, but that, that we don't have the availability for that job anymore. I'm so sorry to disappoint you. So, yeah, I basically moved to Bournemouth on the promise of a social media job. Luckily, I had housing and a bit of money behind me from the old redundancy. So um, very quickly started looking for jobs and I supply energy 
popped up fit the bill so yeah. <laughs> there, there was no desire for me to supply the energy um it <laughs> yeah. was just the case of right i've got to get something i've got, I've got to get well, it wasn't called you supply energy exactly yeah yeah i sort of already knew i had a feeling that i'd meet the one who did supply energy and, and there he was yeah. second from me the moment i walked into the building smart as anything the um, guy the guy i'm I, him he's that's, him uh, that's me <laughs> <laughs> i i think we kind of sat correct me if i'm wrong but i think we may have sat next to each other and kind of given a all right like a little yeah yeah a little sort of nod because i'm so honestly with situations like that i'm so crap at starting yeah. conversations or just like doing like oh you're right mate uh whereabouts you live oh is it like all that stuff i'm just rubbish at that <laughs> we so i think quiet. it was just like a all right mate <laughs> yeah yeah it was, it was a very quiet affair because i think I, I can't remember who the other people that were sat with us but i think there was maybe about, about four of us all together wasn't there initially and i don't think anyone was really talking no one had sort of broke the ice at that point had they and i sort of yeah. sat next to you and i guess we were sat there in a fair bit of silence for a bit, you know, so you'd you have the dulcet tones of stew in the background, you know, <laughs> love stew. But anyway, this leads me up to my question. So obviously we just met at this point. There was a lot of silence. There was a lot of room for thought. What was your first impression of me, Jordan, when you first saw me come on in and sit down? If take your memory back, what do you remember? Honesty um, only, please. I, I don't know. I can't remember. You seemed all right. You seem oh. you seem like you seem like a chill guy. To be honest, oh. was like the my first impression was like, oh, he seems all right, seems friendly enough. Nice. Okay. Cool. I tell you, I tell you what it was actually. I've just remembered. I tell you what it was that I think we really got chatting about was. So we were doing the training, and then we would have like the smoke breaks every so often. And do you remember? Um, oh, should I say his name? Um, <laughs> we can. I'll tell you Go what. On, I'll, say his, I'll say his name, and you can bleep it out. Yeah. Um, in our training group yeah yeah <laughs> i remember us going out into the smoking it like outside on a break and me and you just having a little bitch about him <laughs> and me and me saying to you like he's a bit weird isn't he oh um, my god like, chat and chatting to you about him and i think that's how we yes. actually started like chatting i was just whinging about, about this weird guy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> can you tell us about for the list so so he <laughs> i forgot about him so he would, oh God. So on just a, on dress down days, he would come in in a macaroni necklace. It was a, it was a necklace that he had made himself and it was full of um, little bits of charms and rocks and just tat basically that he had collected over the years that he had then created into a necklace. Um, and he was just like, he was just weird. He was a weird guy. Oh, that's it, is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> like he had I mean, a weird necklace. Say, so made himself. It was. It was. Definitely but he more was also. He was also just like irritating in the training yeah. sessions. He would just ask way too many questions and try like, to dominate the space, right? As yeah, well. yeah. That was and trying to take over the conversations or like correcting people on stuff. And it's like, come on, man. We're all in training together. Like all of us are. I've got the same level of knowledge in this. Do you think there was anything um, supernatural about the necklace? <laughs> maybe. 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 That's what we were missing, Jordan, the whole time. He was harnessing powers greater than we could ever have fathomed. He know? was harnessing my patience is what yeah. he was doing, mate, because he was draining that from me. He was he was an energy vampire, is what he was. He would drain the yes. life out of you. For sure. But he, yeah. So I think that's how we started bonding. That's how we got mm -hmm. along. But mm -hmm. you, because I, I was, um, 
just on the phones. But did you start out on complaints? Yeah. So you I, did, didn't you? Yeah. I went in straight in. Yeah, straight in the complaints. Had a had an interview from a, one of the most iconic managers <laughs> of all time. <laughs> I love this guy. I love this guy. Looking back, I love this guy. Um, the interview was very different for me. I, I'd love to know what yours was like, but mine was very much a, can you do it? Kind of chat. Are you going to be here a while? We we need people to stay. We've lost quite a few people here. Can you can you, can you stay? Have you done complaints? Are you, are you good? That was pretty much the interview. And, and very much there. And then he decided, right, we'll bring you on. I'll take a chance on you here, buddy. Like, <laughs> and I was in. It sounds like you were taking the chance on them rather than the other way around. <laughs> well, Maybe. that's how it played out. Yeah. He was he was a very good talker, this fella. So he used all the buzzwords. You know, he filled me with confidence, inspired me. Um, I thought I was in for the greatest career challenge of my life. I thought this would be it now. I'm on to big things now, you know. With it, with, with the watchful eye of this manager, the B-man, I thought I'd be high-flying. and um, The B-man? Uh, that's what I'm going to call... Yeah, his last name began with a B. So I'm okay, calling him, I'm calling him the B-man. He wasn't a man-B-hybrid. <laughs> he wasn't, no. <laughs> okay, good. I think for me, because I was so worried about not having a job as well, I kind of felt the fake it till I make it type confidence within that interview where I came across very well. I think they thought I may have been a bit too overqualified for that role. So I think B-Man was then trying to sell it to me that I would be able to incorporate all of these social media based opportunities in and, <laughs> and you know, there's, there's room for growth on the social media side of things. So that was sort of the, the the thing that swayed me, I think, to go and take that job is that, hey, they're, they're still learning social media. I could really help them out here you know and uh whilst there are not many worms that are usually associated with <laughs> gas and electric you know uh <laughs> something fun could have came out of that you know so that was kind of what got me through the door initially i think was uh being sold the big dream of uh being able to look after social media and, and, and complaints and that sort of stuff and i don't think it ever happened with the social media did it it never no. took off no. so we actually to to rub salt in the wounds with that um maybe a a year or so into us being there, they created what they called the specialist team. Mm. You had to apply internally for the specialist team. And the specialist team were actually, one of their roles was to deal with social media and to deal with people on Facebook and Twitter and that kind of thing, which you didn't do, did you? Because I, I know didn't. that, no, because the, the specialist team were just full of um, mm. and it was like all of the jobs worth, so no one liked. So none of us went for it because we were like really cool and like, smoke ciggies and things give a toss um straight to the moon on a friday yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh shout out moon in the square yes. um yeah they, they, you didn't even you weren't even given the option to do that when they created it no no for sure i, I think i was just more sold a dream and I, I think by that point already i'd sort of realized why i was here it was purely just to deal with complaints when mm. i had tried to I guess the good thing about looking back at Tesco is they really, they saw something in myself and there was space and opportunity for me to give input and suggestions that would be acted on. And if it was an unrealistic ask from my behalf, I'd be told honestly about that sort of thing. Whereas I think what happened in that job was I was always sort of told, oh yeah, yeah, that's obviously a great idea. We can certainly look into this. You know, the B-man was kind of harvesting all of this in the back of the mind. Going, I'm not going to do anything with this. So I soon kind of realized the reason I was there and the fact that, I'm here to do the complaints. I am a complaints man. I will deal with the complaints. And I think I very much became acceptant of that part of, of things. But 
looking back, whilst the job wasn't what it was promised, I think the certain office culture and, uh, and the friendships that were sort of formed within that place, again, kind of similar to how we were talking earlier on about Tesco and supermarkets, there being a, a camaraderie between people within those environments. I definitely think that that was something that we had between us, uh, a few of us in that job anyway. Mm. Um, mm. There was certainly a need for that just to purely get through your day because the job was, as Jordan has said, not the best and you didn't always have the best type of people and type of characters there. There wasn't really any sort of mentorship there. It was very much a case of if you were in with a certain person and you were favoritized, then you'd probably be in for an easier ride there, you know? Yeah. And of course, you had people complaining to you all day, every day. (laughs) Tell us a bit about that then. So like uh, for any of our listeners that had no idea what you do in a complaints call center, what what would people call up and complain about how many calls would you get what kind of calls would they be would people Mm -hmm. be rude to set paint a picture for the listener yeah so luckily for myself i very rarely would have to actually deal initially with a customer that's complaining on the phone i would get customers calling up so they may speak to jordan for example have a complaint open I'd essentially be assigned a bunch of complaints. And for me, it's my responsibility then to go, right, let, let's prioritize these. Let's get these dealt with, looked into, et cetera, et cetera. And then you get the old customer who would just be absolutely ravenous with the phone. Like they would not want to stop. And people like Jordan, for example, would uh, <laughs> have to deal with those kind of calls, right? Where they simply don't want to speak to you. Complaints could range anywhere from we've really messed up to a customer just doesn't understand that their bill is going to be generated on a certain date when it's in the terms and conditions. You know, a lot of things went wrong in that place as well, where, to be fair, customers were well within their rights to complain. So I was really busy. I think the systems were not the best. So, (laughs) Oh, God, yeah. The system we we used when we first started there, it looked like, you know, like those old 2000s hacker movies Mm -hmm. where the guy's like hunched over the computer and then he goes, I'm in the mainframe. It's like literally looked Mm. like one of those systems that we used. And then we upgraded to Storm, which was even worse. Mm -hmm. Um, It looked better. Like visually it looked nicer, but it was awful and it broke constantly, uh, which was great for us because when it broke, they'd shut the phone lines off. Because we just couldn't take calls because we couldn't open anyone's accounts to check anything. Um, so it would break constantly. And then we'd go, hey, let's go out for a fag. Like, <laughs> yes. Phone lines are broke. Hey. Um, I feel like people are praying yeah. for the phone lines to not work and storm oh, to just typically all break. All the time. All the yep. time. The well, best, is it possible the... that someone actually installed storm because they knew it would break more often? So there'd be... <laughs> Best work it, to do. I think it's because they just had terrible business practices there yes. and they were, so, they were sold this software that didn't work. The best thing, though, about the old system that we used to use, the Citrix phone system, was when you're on the phones, if a call... Um, so you would sit there and then you'd have a big telly on the wall with how many calls were in the queue and then it would ping to one of you on the floor. And if you didn't want to do it, you could just reject it and it would ping to someone else. So it was like a fun little game you'd play where you'd sit there and you'd go, no, I don't fancy taking this call and you'd reject it. And then you'd look around the office and then someone else would go, oh, and you'd sit sit and throw their hands up and you'd be like, ah, you just got my call. (laughs) (laughs) How would you know who got it? Because you could like, because it was a small office and we like the phone lines, at least when we started, weren't that busy. So it was pretty easy to tell who was taking the call um, that that you didn't take when it bounced. Could they not track, like, could they not see, oh, Jordan Andrews has rejected 
25% of his calls today. Nah, nah they, the, 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 the gathering of the stats wasn't that. It, w- it would only gather the calls you took, not the calls you bounced back. Um, so as long as you... That sounds like somewhat, an inspirational quote. <laughs> you know, a lot of people say that <laughs> you should track the calls you take, not the calls you bounce back. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've got so, a tear in my eye. <laughs> so what a lot of people would try and do is you would get in in the morning, try and smash out as many calls as you could so your stats look nice, you could pad them out a bit, and then you could just spend the afternoon just sort of bouncing ones back that you didn't want to do. I think um, we're going to get some angry letters or... <laughs> uh, messages on social media from people who've waited for a long time in a in a call waiting list for an energy company the thing is like you've put a room full of people who are like 18 to 25 who know this job isn't forever who just do it for the expendable income like and the job like i i'm I'm sure it's different place to place, but Rob found this as well. Like you said, Rob, it wasn't an inspiring place to be. There was no progression. There was no, no. there wasn't really much of anything there. It was just a bog standard like meat grinder call center. So mm-hmm. yeah, of course we all got a bit disillusioned with it and just didn't want to work very hard. And and it was nobody essentially monitoring anything unless somebody had given somebody else a kick up the ass to go and chase something up. You know, it was that everything was put together when there was a fire that was essentially brewing somewhere. Mm. Nothing was ever sort of uh, well-organized there or well-oiled. But I think some of the more senior people wanted to give that impression. And they were quite successful in giving that impression to the wider public. Um, Hence why we were able to get a lot of customers on board very easily. But then from a complaints perspective from my end, then I'd be hearing all the horror stories. And when horror stories were even being found out by just everybody in the business i mean jordan i i'm sure you looked at hundreds of accounts that we'd either over or undercharged i think one woman in yeah. the end had been calling us for about a year to let us know that her gas or electric meter wasn't moving and her bills are being produced as zero pounds and she'd been chasing that up for ages and i remember in the end once we've got the bills actually ran because that was a part of the job as well, wasn't it running the bills they were uh that was not fun. Uh, you did that for a bit, Jordan, didn't you? Yeah, that end. was towards the end. I managed to, because basically the the factory line for that place was like, do your time on the phones and then just try and do anything else to get off the phones. Mm-hmm. So when the mm-hmm. billing job came up, I hate spreadsheets in general, but I was like, I hate this less than being <laughs> shouted at by the members of the public. So I'll just do this. Yeah. But yeah, uh, I think I remember that one. Because I think you got in contact with me about that. And when it mm-hmm. had been fixed, you were like, Couldn't, we need to run the bills for this. And I was like, oh, no. I think it was about nine and a half grand, I think. All in all. Yeah. In the end. yeah. And um, yeah, like it, 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 there was nothing from her that she could have done. She would call in, I think, at least once a month, mm. every month to say there's something wrong here. I've been told I'll get engineers out. We used a third party company, didn't we, for our engineers? Lowry just, Beck. Lowry Beck. They yeah. never showed up, yeah. Jacob. It was, it was it was a lucky dip if they would ever show up to fix customers' <laughs> issues. Most of the complaints I think I dealt with were due to Lowry Beck engineers just not showing up as promised. We'd rebook them in, they wouldn't show up again, or <laughs> they'd show up to the wrong house. Or so we or. we had a few uh good complaints actually mm. from Lowry Beck engineers or from customers about Lowry Beck mm-hmm. engineers. One of my favorites was a customer rang up and a larry beck engineer had gone out to do a meter reading and he rang up and said yeah i just want to let you know that your engineer is having a piss down the back of my garden (laughs) up against my shed (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
and the other uh the the other one the main complaint we got was that they would show up to do the meter reading on a external meter that was on the side of the building so they didn't even have to access the building when the customer wasn't in and they would say that the meter was blocked and one of them was that the cat was in the way and the cat wouldn't get out yeah like the engineer wrote that in the report like the cat was in the way of the meter and wouldn't move so i can't take the reading so i'm leaving <laughs> they were just chilling I, they yeah. i think were literally just chilling i feel like there was probably a degree at larry beck of similarity between just feeling completely disillusioned with what you're doing to the point where you just start to just go not happening today but yeah to be mm. fair that woman in the end uh i think when we produced their bill yeah it was about nine odd grand in the end i turned to the b-man and i said listen b-man we've we, we've dropped the ball here we've really dropped the ball and we ended up writing off that woman's entire energy bill so again that's it's situations like that that could have been avoided and that's nine grand in one complaint case there that we've had to kind of pay out of the business pocket so there was a lot of things going on there. That's one small example there as well. Obviously, Larry Beck appointments that were missed were costing us money as well. I think it's about 250 quid a pop for every appointment mm. that wasn't fulfilled. So I'm not much of a math man, but <laughs> I know we, that cost us a lot of money. But um, yeah, the thing I liked about that woman is she used to... Uh, so I spoke to her on the phone a fair bit. That's one thing I loved as well. I would just chat to nice customers on the phone for ages because there was no target. You don't have to be off the phone within 15 minutes of speaking with a customer. So I spent a lot of time chatting with that woman. You know, that one took a little while and same with other customers. But she ended up emailing me photos of dog jumpers that she would knit for oh, yeah. Romanian dogs. We became good friends because of that. For Romanian dogs? <laughs> yes. So in Romania, there's a big problem with stray dogs that get abandoned in the street and stuff. So she works with a rescue charity out there. And because it gets really, really cold in Romania, like they need a lot of dog jumpers. They need them. These dogs are, you know, very cold boys and girls. So uh, she would send me photos of them. She started, you know, I was asking her what she did in her free time and stuff. And she said not much after I retired. Uh, the husband had gone, you know, she was on her own. So I know she was grateful just for a nice little chin wag and stuff. And we yeah. became friends because of it. So I would end up spending some of my days following on from resolving a complaint, having a chat with her. And she'd send <laughs> me a few uh, different photos of the dog jumper she knitted. And the dogs that were wearing them in the end as well. I think I showed you a few of those. Yeah, I remember that. It's so sweet. Maybe we can have one for social media as well for when we release this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Shout out to that lady. I forget her name though, but, um, you know, (laughs) (laughs) if she somehow in the realms of possibility ever stumbles across this, (laughs) I hope that's made her day. (laughs) Things came to a a, a less than ideal end at I Supply Energy or He Supply Energy. Mm-hmm. I sort of mm-hmm. saw the writing on the wall for a while, and I know it's something that I talked about with Jordan and a few other people. Having been through a redundancy myself at Tesco, there's almost like something in the air that if you've been through that before, you can kind of understand that things are changing. You know, projects that are, have been talked about and hyped up suddenly kind of aren't talked about anymore and disappear. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I'd already kind of been through this once already and did the digging when there were rumours of uh, our Tesco office being closed. So I kind of had done this sort of stuff before. And I sensed something was in the air. I had a little look on the company's house. And Jordan, I don't remember it. Don't even remember this. I remember you telling me this, yeah. Pulling the company's house up and just seeing the sheer amount of debt and losses that company had inherited in the three and a bit years before we got there. I couldn't believe it. You know, I think they'd gone from onboarding a lot of customers bringing loads of customers on because they had super cheap energy rates. But then there was a big problem of bills being misgenerated, people not even paying, you know, like 
all sorts. So I think it was in the millions in the end that I sort of saw the writing on the wall. And luckily for me, I managed to get a job with Monzo. I think not long before things came to a halt, Jordan. I think it was only a few months. Yeah, yeah. So um, you started out in Monzo on customer service, but mm-hmm. obviously from looking at your LinkedIn, there's been a bit of progression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The works of things. <laughs> yeah, I'll flow it about me. The thing I think I liked about Monzo when I first joined is I was initially very, very worried. And anyone that works remotely, I think, will attest to this is it can be the loneliest sort of job in the world or it can be super fulfilling as well. So, yeah, I was in customer service. Um, I took to the learning and development of it really well. I, I loved that side of things because we were trained and coached really well. And it was a very hands-on approach where you were connected to a coach who would basically, after you've done your initial training, so all the sort of typical going through PowerPoints, doing regulatory stuff, you know, that's quite intense. So that, that process, I think, is about three weeks. And then the coaching after that, which was three weeks as well, was, to be honest with you, brilliant. That's where I'd made a lot of my friends. I realized in a job like that, you need to be in the DMs all the time, right? You know, in an office environment, you can kind of turn, maybe lean over to a desk and say, what do we do in this situation? But um, yeah, in that job, very much DM heavy, you know, like you've, you've got to really be reaching out to people. So um, I enjoyed the coaching, being coached. And I became good friends with my coach, uh, Jesse, who's now... We, we, we had a mutual interest in social media and stuff like that. And she runs her own social media marketing company now. She left Monzo to do that. So we bonded very quickly. And uh, I managed to do really well at the customer service side of things as well. Because I think, you know, I was used to talking to a lot of different people. You know, I had experience on the phones. I had experience emailing. Um, the only thing I didn't have experience... No, I tell a lie. I guess social media live chat is the same as in-app live chat. Essentially, I had experience kind of messaging customers and solving problems. So the probation period for that, I think, was three months. And I think straight out of probation, uh, what I essentially did then was, sorry, strange phone call. Uh, What I did then was look for another opportunity because what they encouraged and like I supply energy was development. There was like progression pathways. It was something that was talked about from the get-go. You get a learning budget with Monza that you can use to spend to help your career development. You know, they're really, really on it. And I was quite surprised at that. So for me, I got really interested in an opportunity in financial crime. So I think I was there. Yeah, so I joined in March of 2020. And then by August of 2020, I was accepted for a role in the financial crime team. So I've kind of bounced about quite a lot of Monza at the moment. Uh, Yeah, so I did financial crime for quite a few years. Uh, That was really good. And as part of that then... I moved it to training. So within about four or five months, I was training on financial crime related tasks. So I saw an opportunity to coach through Jesse, who really mentored me when I first started there. And that's where I spent most of my time at Monzo up until probably late last year was being involved in some form of coaching whilst working, you know, a general job alongside that in financial crime, which again is a very interesting uh, area of the business. These, These crims be very clever. Um, but yeah, essentially I went from customer service, hopped into fin crime, kind of trained customer service. I essentially became a coach. So I did the role that Jesse had mentored me within. And I really, really enjoyed that. And I also got to learn, uh, you know, the world of financial crime and, and, and work to fight anti-money laundering, that sort of stuff. No, actually, I worked to prevent money laundering. I didn't want yeah, to fight anti-money laundering. didn't fight anti-money laundering. Yeah. <laughs> I promise it's not an inside job. <laughs> You've always been a big money launderer. Oh, massive, yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah. Huge, you know. 
we had to do anti-bribery training at the job center and basically all they said to us was don't don't take gifts from people that was the extent of it really was <laughs> yeah. just if you do a good job for someone and they give you a gift don't accept it um because they might use it against you which mm. uh, people kind of follow on a case-by-case basis i think because like if you've been working with someone for like months and months and they finally got a job and they get you a card it seems a bit horrible to be like no yeah. No, you're trying. You're trying to bribe me. You're trying to get one over on me, aren't oh, you? Thank you, and then put it straight in a shredder. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and now you're under arrest. <laughs> it's a shame, really. I, I, I do think that should be on a case by case basis, isn't it? You know, if someone was to bring you flowers for doing a wonderful job. Uh, you know, box of chocolates. I think it should be proportionate, really. If they're trying to fly you out to Marbella on an all-expenses-paid <laughs> holiday, fair enough, you know. But, yeah. you know, a box of chocolates or some flowers, if you've, you know, helped yeah. that person over some months, you know. I, I certainly think there would be cases where you could argue that I supply energy when I was doing complaints, that um, <laughs> even the way I would talk to some customers could be considered bribery. Like, you know, for example, those knit, those knitted dog sweaters. You could say that she was trying to bribe, you know, by sympathy. You know, you, you could argue emotional bribery. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So, I agree, Jordan. I think it should be case by case. Oh. But you know, we don't make the rules. I don't want to go down for. I don't want to go down for no dog jumpers. Put it <laughs> and so you were doing financial crime, and then learn, learning. So you is that like your job now? Is doing learning stuff. It, it was for about a year and a half. Um, Monza okay. was like onboarding quite a lot. So essentially the opportunity came up to support. They right. needed additional coaches. Yeah, I see. So yeah. Jesse had essentially put me forward and put me in touch with Eric, mm. who is brilliant. One of the best managers I've ever had in my life. Absolutely love Eric. And Eric basically mentored every single coach on that team. You know, he's like, so where do you want to go? What sort of experience do you want to get? This is the needs and demands that we have. Do you want to be training? Do you want to be designing training? What areas of the business do you want to learn more about? There was so much space for us to essentially look after new starters that were coming into the business. So I joined that on a whim, basically saying, oh, hey, we need some coaches to help us out. I just started Fin Crime. It was about a month or so into that. So I started that and never looked back, got super involved in the process, love training new people, love meeting new people, being the person that would help them initially do the job and stuff like that. For me, that was just bloody brilliant boys absolutely loved it so um yeah i did that for about a year and a half and then monzo essentially got rid of coaches from there and hired more trainers so trainers essentially would look after that entire process because it was essentially ran by coaches day to day for the three weeks afterwards and i think they wanted to especially in a regulated bank right you kind of want to streamline that process a bit and improve it a little bit but in that year and a half we had the freedom to kind of like run things on our side and it was brilliant like i absolutely loved it like, it was brilliant um and yeah now i've sort of moved on to uh other pastures since um i'm still technically a coach so if there was any need for ongoing coaching then i may pop in and do a session with somebody where i kind of go over an area of the business that they're struggling with so i've kind of learned a lot about the business i still am on hand you know essentially on retainer if if ongoing support is needed but i don't sort of look at like look after the uh the onboarding side of things like I used to anymore, which was uh, right. which was good for a year and a half, yeah. So what do you do now? Um, I was working on card payment disputes. However, recently I've circled back around and like merged this back into complaints. So I now officially work in disputes complaints. So we deal with everything from goods and services disputes to your fraud card disputes and 
everything in between there. So I've sort of circled back into complaints. Uh, again, that was kind of uh, where the business... I never really had an official interview for that or anything. Uh, another post went up saying, hey, we need some people from Disputes to support the complaints. Does anybody want to come over? And came straight on over and uh, they essentially wanted to keep me. So <laughs> I uh, sort of sidestepped from purely just dealing with Disputes to... Uh, yeah, dealing with complaints again. So I'm back on the old right. uh, complaints train, baby. It's all come full circle. Yes, sir. So, what does your day-to-day look like now? Um, at the moment now, I essentially just have a bunch of complaints in a queue. We don't tend to call customers unless they want to be called because being like more of an app-based bank, we find a lot of our customers now kind of like keeping things within the app, messaging, sort of dropping in and out like that. So my day-to-day job now is a little bit different. What I have realized about this job is it's far more regulated than iSupply Energy. There are certain standards that you have to have your complaint meeting and stuff like that, which is something that I had to get used to. I think I've only been doing it now for about three months. So I'm relatively new to it as well. But my day-to-day is essentially investigating complaints. So we'll write a timeline of what's happened from start to finish and then producing a final response letter to that complaint, basically covering all their points. I may have to call a customer from time to time if they mentioned they want to have a chat about it, so I'll do that. Yeah, it's much more dealing with like specialised complaints within, within Monzo now, and I like the fact that they've got specialised teams in different areas because we're still kind of using, you know, all of this outside of banking, this knowledge would be pretty useless, right? Like, I don't think anyone really needs to know the ins and outs of a, a chargeback life cycle. I can tell you boys, like, it's not the most interesting thing to talk about. <laughs> and what about uh, your DJing stuff? Yeah, that's kind of just been running concurrently just for as long as I can remember now. I'd say the, the only time it really stopped was during the pandemic. Um I don't sort of run events anymore. I kind of lost quite a lot of money trying to put events on in my younger 20s. Um, So now I tend to support like more uh, local events companies and stuff. Like my friends run a lot of different events in and around, you know, South Wales. So uh, fortunately, they asked me to play. They enjoy my company enough that they haven't replaced me with a robot yet. So (laughs) it's one good thing at least. But yeah, I've gone sort of away from... I think when I moved away from Cardiff, I sort of maybe did one or two events in Bournemouth and then sort of realised, hey, this is not sustainable with uh, <laughs> with the lack of uh, money and the fact that I'd blown quite a lot of money not knowing how to manage events previously. Uh, I sort of just kept with DJing and producing music now on the side and getting uh, bookings here and there, you know, playing for my friends and yeah enjoying that side of things much less stressful just being told to turn up to a venue have a couple of drinks and uh dj a set than actually putting an entire night on so uh mm. yeah, well, yeah maybe that could bring us on to the final section mm. where we talk about your dream job mm. well rob what if i told you <laughs> that me and jacob actually have the ability to give you the dream job that you want right now I will be forever indebted to you both. I will promote this podcast endlessly. I will be at every one of your personal ventures with a little sign. Well, you're welcome, mate, because we're allowed to do it for you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'll get the signs ready. When, When we do this section, we like to first off ask you, do you already have a dream job in mind? I have an idea in mind. I have ah. an idea. I do not want to share okay. it until the end to see whether or not we also align on this or okay. whether or not I need to bin my current idea off and move towards the dream job decided right here by Jordan and Jacob. Wow, this is, okay. this is, a, this is an exciting development in the format. It's a twist. Okay. 
<laughs> so first off, you mentioned it just now, but putting on more events, getting into doing club nights and that kind of thing, that sounds like something that you'd be interested in doing. But is that what you always want to be doing? You know, I'm assuming when you put on these club nights, you want to be DJing at them as well. Um, not, always, you, not, not always, not always, no, no. Because to be honest with you, like when I've DJed some of the nights I've put on in the past, I've found myself feeling like I'm missing out a little bit almost. Because for me, I, I think it ties into like the community aspect of it. A lot of these raves and events that we go to, there's a, a solid community of people who go there, have a mutual interest within the music and the scene in general. So when I'm DJing there, I kind of sometimes would feel like I'm observing over everybody else enjoying that moment and I'm missing out on that almost. I know that sounds yeah. very weird to say because I do love DJing, but as I've gotten older, I start to feel like I, I, I'm quite fine not being the main attraction. I think actually that's something I probably prefer, you know what I mean? Mm, so mm. if I was to be DJing, for example, you know, I'm happy to go on the early set mate when people are just coming through the doors just to get the vibes warming up a little bit now. But um, at okay. the same time, I do still love playing a, a well-prepared set in a busy place. Well, Might be well how, how about this, right? I'm thinking we could blend that with the fact that you do still just want to be the every man and you want to get involved. What about we do kind of like an undercover boss scenario Ooh. where you're where you're like the undercover owner of the club Ooh. and you organize the club nights. But that also gives you the opportunity to just take a step back and just get involved in the crowd. Yes. and get involved in the rave no one knows that it's yes. you putting on these nights no one knows that it's genius louis Faroo who's <laughs> who's putting these amazing raves on and you're just in the crowd like man who is this dj man he's sick i've never heard of him before oh my name's rob by the way like, <laughs> shaking hands with people <laughs> the anonymity absolutely that's yeah. what i need and as I'm getting older, I find myself getting slightly tired or slightly earlier. So is there a nap station anywhere at this club? Oh, yeah, there can be. Yeah. Okay, nice. <laughs> I feel yeah. like power naps are the new thing for me at the moment. But are you imagining like a pod or something like one of those Japanese mm. kind oh, of... Oh, like the mm -hmm. sleeping pod things. Yeah. Yes, maybe. Uh, maybe. Or maybe like an underground bunker with a set of stairs just secretly, you know, and kind of go under. Size doesn't matter, you know, it's how you use it. So at the end of the day, a Japanese sleeping pod or a big king size divan, I really do not mind. <laughs> quite have you have you guys watched atlanta i haven't yet either. so there is this perfect scene in the in a club it's in a nightclub where the main character is trying to chase the club owner for money that's owed to him and the club owner goes like relax man have a drink i'll be back in a sec and he like hands him a drink and then he goes up against the wall and like presses a button Ooh. and the wall flips you know like in yeah. like a like a, like a baddie's like dungeon the wall like <laughs> flips round and he like is standing on the wall on a swivel and just disappears behind the wall <laughs> so maybe you could have like that in your club where if it's all getting too much and you need a lie down you can all go oh what what's the dj doing and run to the back and just go behind the wall we could, we could get jacob's robot dj in for those moments as well for the switchover process you know? just to make sure that ai isn't feeling too left out you know? when you say my robot dj is that a, D, a robot dj with my personality or is that a robot think, dj that i have lent to you um, i think he reports to you yeah i think he reports, he reports to, to me okay yeah. so I, i'm like your your kind of like team manager or something yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the first time that one of us has been drawn into the dream job. But I'm flattered. Well, I mean, obviously, you'd also want to work with Jordan, presumably, having Absolutely. had such a wonderful time. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Although I, I can't see a clear and obvious role for you, Jordan, at the moment. Yeah. How do you slot in? Complaints manager. 
<laughs> Maybe. Oh, mate, look at me. I'm bouncer, man. True, <laughs> true. Okay, do you have I'm a robot awesome. bouncer? Are you head bouncer and do you have robot bouncers with you? Yeah, I'm, I'm the head honcho and then I've got a team of like Terminator bots that, that keep everyone in check. I don't think you'd have any trouble then, though. Let's be honest, though. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you have a, like, you know, a couple of eight-foot robot bouncers coming towards you, SIA badge just like massively imprinted, about a one-foot one on your shoulder. I mean, no one's messing with those bouncers. This is nice because we're already, you know, we're showing how AI and humans can work alongside because they're augmenting the workforce and not replacing mm. see, them. See, see, yeah. Absolutely. The real world, boys. It's a combination yeah. of both. So uh, where... Go on, Jacob. Well, I was just thinking because what do... So my idea of what DJ decks are like is drawn out of films. And because I feel like most of the films that I've seen them in are from like the 90s or before, I imagine they don't look like this, but I imagine them having records on them and lots of buttons and, you know, buttons that I have no idea what they would do. But I was thinking it'd be really nice, given your experience at Monzo, if some of the buttons control the decks and some of them help you to foil some financial crime along the way. (laughs) So you're getting some kind of... You're getting like... Like on your, you've got a little screen and you've got like um, fraud checks coming through at the same time. So you're DJing and then you're looking down and going, oh, okay, um, yeah, decline that payment because that's obviously fraud. Would that be something you'd like us to work in? Because then obviously you're you're giving back and you're furthering your career in banking at the same time. I I think for my potentially or highly likely ADHD brain, that would be absolutely perfect (laughs) because I need a few (laughs) things to focus on at once. And I think we'd we'd probably have a better quality of set then, you know, especially if I've done some good work and I've saved Gladys, you know, £10,000 being sent elsewhere, you know, and I've just just dropped a banging double drop, mate, you know, I mean... Is that how it works? Like, do you get, um, like, when you were doing financial crime, did you have something come through saying this looks dodgy yes. you need to yeah. yeah so you get all i mean the systems are very very clever these days probably not best i don't, I don't talk too much about the intricacies uh, intricacies of them hmm. but they have great great like detection like some of the fraud detection now is insane to the point where i'm honestly shocked we, we've talked obviously on this podcast quite a lot about uh ai and stuff like hmm. that so you've got a lot of payments coming through that wouldn't usually be picked up that have very, very small niche things. You know, slight anomalies are going to get picked up straight away as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the technology is brilliant. I mean, of course, we have like manual reviews as well, but we do really, really rely on a lot of our built-in automated checks, which is obviously put together by... One thing about Monzo is they have an in-house engineering team who are just absolutely yeah. insane. They're wizards. Like, they're absolute wizards. You could say to them, make a suggestion to them, oh, hey, I think that we need to implement an easier way for us to load fraud tasks or whatever. And within a week, they'll have something already drafted up for you, like that will be, you know, in beta. They're brilliant. They're honestly brilliant. Like as far as the fraud detection stuff that we got in place and just like, I know Jordan mentioned the software earlier on that we had at iSupply, like Monzo's got its own internal built systems as well, purpose built. It's just incredible. Like the team there are just brilliant, brilliant. So if I could, if Monza would still have me in this in in this in this club to just do those those checks on a little DJ screen, then yeah, I, I yeah. think the engineers could program it. You know, I I think it could be done. I think yeah. it can be done. Well, I mean, if they're listening, engineers at Monzo, let's build a proof of concept. <laughs> I wanted to I wanted to paint a picture a bit. So, firstly, where would you want this nightclub to be? Oh, good question. Space. <laughs> Space. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> I mean, something different, isn't it? You know, like yeah. I, I could say we could whack it in Newport, but I just don't think it'd be as popular. It needs a draw, you know. I mean, we've had boat parties and stuff, so water might be an interesting place, but nobody's quite done space right yet. I did really? wonder for a second whether space was like the name of a town in Wales or something. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I mean, I guess that might slightly limit your customer base if you're based in a place where there are no people. But mm. are you imagining maybe you have some kind of elevator that goes from the ground up into well we've got jo- like... we've got jordan and the robots right the bouncer team so they'll kind yeah. of give you a lift almost they're quite big so you can kind of like fit a few people yeah we're we're on the door down on earth yeah <laughs> um and then once they're once they're clear then they go up the the sky yeah the sky and where is the door down on earth Ooh. is that in newport what do you reckon jordan newport i, I feel like it has, <laughs> yeah, to, be, yeah, that, it has to be yeah that's it that's in risker yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna build it on top of the 14 lots canal center so you can uh, admire the beautiful views and then jet off to another world mate that'd be my dream yeah the 14 lots canal center that's exactly where i want it i mean that sounds pretty high octane but pretty mm-hmm. fun and i guess I mean, actually that's perfect place to have a big noisy rave because you won't be disturbing any neighbors exactly. or anything it won't, the sound won't travel zero noise complaints and then That's perfect people stumbling back down to earth after the uh you know after their great night there's yeah. a little calf on the 14 lots canal center run by two lovely old ladies so you can pop in there for a cuppa and a breakfast roll <laughs> on the way back walk, walk the hangover off along the canal i mean what more could you need can't beat it mate can't beat it and if people want to do like you know do you remember felix baumgartner the guy who went up on yeah uh, on the red bull kind of oh yeah yeah and yeah. jumped people could do that's the one option to get home isn't it because they can just jump <laughs> off 100%. with a parachute yeah we, we might have to get the paperwork right on that one though um, well so- they can sign a waiver or something <laughs> yeah probably best <laughs> not to do it while drunk uh, i mean uh, as the manager of the club, Jacob, you know, this this sort of does fall on your shoulders, so I think you'll be very adept at... Uh, <laughs> I'm the manager of the club? Okay, right. I thought I was I, just I, like... I, not yeah. just of the robot DJ, I think you essentially run the operation, Jordan oh, deals like with the, the muscle. And... I'm like the GM. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, I wow. get a lot of help. I, I know you guys previously talked about uh, Pip the Moth and uh, performance improvement <laughs> plans. I feel like I really probably need you boys to keep me in check, to keep me off of Pip. Uh, okay. We don't... I, if Charlie comes, you want to keep Pip the Moth Man probably on Earth, fixing the cars. <laughs> well, I think Pip is one of Ch- Charlie's particular problem. I don't think mm. that, uh, you know, Pip Pip keeps himself to himself apart from that. <laughs> but he, he does mm. take his work of Charlie seriously. Okay, so I'm the GM. I'm okay with yep. that. I'm just okay. thinking, so I'd have to get the train from Cambridge to Newport and then get in the thing up to space. So it'd be a bit of a longer commute than what I have at the moment, but that's mm. okay. The other thing, the other concern I have um, with this idea is that because you're in space, possibly Earth laws would not apply. And so you would actually legally be able to serve underage people who are coming to buy alcohol. So I'm guessing that you would implement your own local policy that you wouldn't serve mm-hmm. under 18 and you'd want to import Linda from uh, Home Bargains to come and sit there and just give Absolutely. you the nods. Give you the nods. Yeah. Absolutely. Linda. I, I check him. Have a look at him. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it would be fun writing space law as well, right? Like, say, I don't think many people would, would put on their CV, you know, you've, you've designed the laws of space. 
I mean, and we're not physicists, boys, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just in for the good times and the ride, really, you know. I, I think yeah. the admin side of things for me, boys, would be a bit lost on me, you know. Yeah, the logistics. Hey, it's, your, it's your dream, mate. It's your dream. You can make it what you want. <laughs> yeah, okay, I mean, so... I guess new the Newport's law, maybe we could make it so that applies to <laughs> the space station as well. The local Newport, you know, it's local laws. Absolutely. So... Do we, Rob, do you feel like with this stream job that we've given you, this is hitting all of the markers that you want it to hit? Is there something missing maybe that hmm. that you wish you could have in this job? We've got Linda, luckily. I mean, that, that that's a big yeah. win. I, I couldn't believe I nearly forgot about Linda. That would have been terrifying. I think so far we've got everything. I like the idea of the war moving, so we've got a bit of a chilled out area as well. I think I like a bit more of the daytime as well. So is there anything going on? in what, what What's space like in the day? I mean, you can obviously see the sun down below on Earth. What's it it's, like in the day? It's uh, it's not a lot going on, I don't think. Um, I just, uh, the question, what's space like in the day is yeah. such a good question. <laughs> Never thought about it before, but what, what is it like? Well, it depends what you mean by day, I guess, because on Earth, it's the day when the sun's, on mm -hmm. the bit of the planet that you're on but in space mm. it's slightly harder because the sun's always there obviously yeah. so if yeah. you're you might always be in the path of the sun it might always be day which i guess would be kind of cool i mean yeah i, I think we're taking day to mean when it's day in newport yeah exactly directly yeah, yeah. beneath the space station <laughs> it, we're on newport time here aren't we yeah. yeah yeah well i mean it could just be somewhere that you live during the day like would you hmm. you know as someone you said is reasonably introverted the idea of living during the day alone ten thousand miles above the earth's surface does that appeal to you or would you find that a bit too lonely i think the idea of that absolutely terrifies me to be honest Jacob. I, i'd like to be able to pop up <laughs> me there. too yeah. yeah now and again i'd like to pop up there now and again maybe take a few friends up and have a game of scrabble or something like i'm still very much a social person however I am also, as you quite say, introverted. But what I realise is, even in my introverted moments, I'm always doing something, whether that be playing Grand Theft or role-playing, which I'm really into at the moment. I'm still interacting with somebody when I don't want to be in the outside world, so to speak. So I think in the day, I wouldn't want to be on my own. I don't think I'd want to live there, but I'll take a few friends up for a, you know, a, a cup of tea. Maybe we can have some arts and crafts in the day there or something like that, you know? Maybe have some classes and stuff, you know? Okay. Do some yeah. fun alternative stuff. It doesn't always have to be about the rave, you know? So it is... can open up into, like, a creative space where That's there's, it. like, maybe yeah. studios where you could do stuff. And for like sure. That. Yeah, yeah. I I'm finding that I enjoy... I still love music. And back a few years ago, obviously being at events and being involved in DJing and obviously the culture is still something I really like. But also I enjoy just having evenings where I'm making music with myself or like sharing an idea or a project with a friend and just, again, goofing around. I think, as I said earlier on, you know, I'm a bit of a goofer. I've trans transferred that goofiness into music now as well. So I think I'd probably like to still have the opportunity to do goofy stuff in the day. But then also when people do want a space party, we still got room for a space, a yeah. space party, you know. Well, okay. I think that okay. we've probably ticked all the boxes now, and yeah, and and now Jordan and I are working there as well. So <laughs> exactly, that is a first. That is a first on the Careers Pair <laughs> yeah. podcast. Yeah, we're going to have to so, stop doing the podcast now, Jordan, because <laughs> we're going to have to go and work for Rob. We're off in to space, boys. In space. So yeah. I'm sorry to announce everyone. This is the last episode of the Careers Pair <laughs> podcast. It's been a good run. <laughs> so rob i guess the question is what what was the job that you didn't want to reveal oh 
Okay, so we're actually quite close. So I definitely wanted to have an event space, a creative event space. Funnily enough, based in Newport as well. I'd like a quite a little bit of Newport. So we're kind of on the mark there already. Yeah. I kind of wanted a space, hopefully, where in the daytime, I know I've kind of alluded to it already, in the daytime, there's like classes you can do. So essentially a creative hub for people who like to do all things creative, whether that be drawing, art, you know, music, film editing, just everything creative, really, all under one roof. And people can come down, have a coffee, have a bite to eat. So just a big a big space for people to come and, and, and be creative. And the other plan was hopefully to have little, uh, like, rooms where people can give seminars and classes and that sort of stuff. So say you're really into DJing, for example, Jacob, you might look at, you know, decks from the movies and you might say, hey, I kind of want to, you know, have a crack at learning <laughs> a DJ. We'll have yeah. a DJ, we'll have, you know, a, a DJ workshop and that sort of stuff as well. Um, and a space for people to come down and say record music because I know a big problem with a lot of bands and stuff like that is it can be quite hard to record. So having a space where bands can come down and record, you know, a podcast studio where where yourselves could pop down and uh, record a pod with someone, yeah. And then in the night, have a have like an outdoor area where we just do small intimate DJ gatherings and stuff like that. Because I've seen uh, quite a few like uh, DJ sets on YouTube that may happen in like shop fronts and stuff like that with 30, 40 people. So um, just a one stop creative shop essentially that kind of runs in the day where you can drop in. And in the night, we'll occasionally have a few little events here and there. Maybe a nice big garden so people can kind of hang out there in summer. That'd pretty much be it. So not quite in space, but... Well, why don't we say that that's on the ground level? So that's on the ground and then you've got the space lift that goes up to the space nightclub. We've nailed it, boys. I think we've actually yeah, nailed it. Yeah, we've nailed it. <laughs> we we shake our hands on it. It's done. Shake, shake, shake. Yeah. Taylor Swift, it. It's in. <laughs> Rob, that's your dream job. We've nailed it. Thank and you, boys. That's uh, that's this that's this episode in the bag, my <laughs> friends. Let's go. Thank um, you for having me, boys. Thank you, Rob. And now to play us out, it's Pink. <laughs> <laughs> Well, 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 Jacob. Who would have seen that little twist coming at the end, eh? With Rob revealing his dream job to us that he had up his sleeve all along. And it was pretty similar to what we came up with him with. So I I think that that is a good sign. I think it just goes to show our expertise and our professionalism. Yes. You know, we, we've shown that we can think on our feet, that we can adapt, that we're malleable. And I think that in of itself uh, deserves a like and a rating on any podcast platform that you're listening on. You should tell people about it. You should say, look, I when I first started listening, I think I was thinking, what are these guys doing? You know, what's going on here? But then they changed it up a little bit on the fly. and. Uh, and it hooked me. And now you should go listen to it too, mum. Yeah, Jordan's mum. Yeah. I think you should. Please, mum. That's quite a dramatic development in the format, you know, in the lore of this podcast that in episode seven we reveal that every time we've been talking in the intro and outro, we're talking to Jordan's mum and only <laughs> Jordan's mum. Yep. Yeah, because I love her. I love her to death. Um, she, she's, she's, she's the best woman who ever lived. Um, no offense to your mum, Jacob. She's a close second, <laughs> but I might be biased. Well, 
if mum i know you're listening and actually it's you <laughs> but we're not talking to you because you're not jordan's mum and it's part of the law that we're only talking to you if you're jordan's mum so well, hello mrs we, andrews should, hi mum should we do because i think it's only fair should the next seven be that we're talking to your mum because i i would hate to leave her out yeah okay okay cool um okay to follow us on socials come on please it'll be really cool um we've got facebook <laughs> we've got facebook twitter instagram tiktok um we've got loads of stuff going on over there all the bloody time um and it will keep you posted on when we've got new episodes coming out speaking of which jacob when's the next one yeah, so the next episode will be coming out on Monday, the 11th of December. So we'll be almost at Christmas by that point. Um, and we, won't, we don't obviously tell you who's going to be on the next episode. We like it to be a surprise. But um, as you know, Jordan is very sickly at the moment. And mm -hmm. uh, it might be something that helps with that. Let's leave it there. Something that ails me. Yeah. So, no. Ails, no, ails is bad, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't want to say anything, but yeah. Oh, something well, ale, that... ale is not bad if you belong to the Craft Beer Society. <laughs> Which I do. Which well, you that's, do. We're interviewing a craft beer. <laughs> that's okay. Look, I'm sorry. I'll spoil it. Yeah. And I loved it when he said, glug, glug, glug. <laughs> oh, he's bloody charming. Right. He is, yeah. I think we've talked to these lovely he's people He's a bubbly enough. personality, isn't he? Oh! play us out. <laughs>